So, Mark. Yes. This movie starts with a dramatic scene where somebody fakes a heart attack on an airplane. And from there, after a little bit of business, it jumps backwards in time to give us a speed round through this character's life. And that speed round starts with animation about how we have to race from before we're born with animation of sperm racing one another to fertilize an egg. Yeah, that is a part of this movie that I had forgotten about. I had also forgotten about it from the first time I saw it, and I yelled when I saw it this time. At least it is animated, and it is not like the birthing video I watched in high school that started with I'm sorry, what now? Did you not have to watch a video of a human birth from start to finish? I took higher level... IB biology, but we did not watch video. Yeah, so we had to watch a video of a whole birth start to finish, and the one we watched starts with a slide of swimming around little sperms, and then it cuts to a scientist who looks up from the microphone and just says, this is my sperm. What? And, yep. So that is a video we watched. It proceeded to show what a penis Are looks you like sure while this ejaculating. Guy was a scientist. I, no, absolutely not. He was wearing a white coat. Uh, shows a penis ejaculating, and then I think it was made in the seventies because all of the clothing and stuff was very seventies. There was a home birth, like I think it was. It was not a water birth. It was a home birth. And we watch a woman naked on a treadmill walking, and then a time progression as she gets more pregnant to show how her body changes. And then we watch birth from start to finish, like, all up in there. So I had been planning to ask you about the most interesting educational film you had to watch in school, but I think we maybe hit it. Yeah, I have that image of the scientist looking up from his microscope very seared into my brain. Oh, he had 70s porn stash too, in case you were wondering. It helps to visualize it. Yeah. Oh my god. That movie was scarring. One person had to leave the room during the birth. I don't know if she will ever have children. I think the most striking live-action educational film I ever had to watch was in Driver's Ed, when... The driver safety video they showed us was made in the 90s by, like, a very confident production company that was like, we are in touch with the times. So it was, like, 90s-style diversity, which is to say one or two people of color kind of being there. And it was also very 90s in that there was a lot of rapping going on, but, like, bad rapping written by white people trying to educate you about safe driving. And the best one was a rap called Stay Out of the No Zone about how you should try not to be too close behind the cars that you're driving behind. And especially when you're driving behind big trucks, you don't want to be right behind them or in the side where you're in the blind spot. And the whole rap was about Stay Out of the No Zone. That sounds incredibly good. I can picture it so vividly from how you described it. it. ruled. Uh, I think it's on YouTube. I'll see if I can find it for you. Because this is why you don't make educational videos that are resonant with the times. Because the times change and school funding means that the videos don't. They do need to update it, though, because of the whole new texting while driving thing. I found it. So I will send you Stay Out of the No Zone. Did you ever watch any, like, on the subject of our sperm, though, any weird animated educational videos? Well, we watched Duck and Cover in one of my history classes. I love Duck and Cover. But besides that, my school was just all in on Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, which rules? That was all we watched. What's your favorite Schoolhouse Rock? So we watched the preamble one a lot because we had to memorize the preamble for class in like fourth grade. 
I really liked lolly lolly lolly. Get your adverbs here. When I teach psychology, I show the nervous system one. There's a telegraph line. You've got yours and I've got mine. It's called the nervous system, which is pretty great. Yeah. If I were a teacher, I would probably shy away from uh, a lot of the history ones. Because they tell a very whitewashed and optimistic portrayal of history that should be shied away from, such as in yes. Elbow Room. Elbow Room's a little dicey. That one, ooh, and the Great American Melting Pot. I mean, yes, like I love the cartoon vision visual the of the Statue of Liberty yeah. stirring the big pot. But yeah. yeah, I think we need to go a bit deeper. God, Elbow Room. Let's just sweep genocide under the rug under the idea that white people need more elbow room or in german lebensraum (laughs) i mean that's the problem (laughs) see i think that while the america rock and grammar rock are the best known ones science rock is low-key the best one because you've got the telegraph line and then crucially you've got my girl interplanet janet interplanet janet is a galaxy girl yeah she's the best oh my god I, of course, watched tons of those. The other animated thing that sticks in my head from school was, I think in third grade, we watched a dental hygiene animated video that was clearly a knockoff of the Magic School Bus because it involved, like, a group of kids that get shrunk down and go inside a mouth where I want to say they were talking to teeth or something, but they wound up getting in fights with some organization called the Cavity Goons that were these weird little gremlins that tried to destroy teeth. Are you sure that's not just this Magic School Bus episode? Yes, because they wouldn't have made up cavity goons. They would have just, like, had, like, bacteria. That is true. I still remember when I found out that Lily Tomlin was the voice of Miss Frizzle. Yeah, she's great. What a sick gig to get. I have lolly 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 stuck in my head now. I have found a lot of hits on Google for the cavity goons, so I think this is something I will need to explore further. All right, so after choosing... One of the least consequential scenes of the movie to digest. Should we start talking about the rest of it? I mean, sure, there's, what, two hours and 40 minutes left? Yeah, so welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring, I think, a critical issue. Namely, does Hollywood, or in this case, Bollywood romance, actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable? Or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation. We will dig in and see what is there. And this week, as you have seen if you looked at the episode title, we are discussing the 2009 Bollywood mega-hit, Three Idiots. Now, we both saw this before at the AFI. Right, the in Silver Spring, the AFI Silver. And it is such a good movie that balances such serious issues with such silliness that you get emotional whiplash at least 10 times throughout this movie. I think this movie kind of rules. Like, it's quite funny, but also manages to develop believable relationships. And the points it's making, they go in on making these points. Right, so the movie is about students at a fictional Imperial Indian Engineering School And it deals a lot with the tremendous stress that students at these elite schools are put under and also the ways that these schools discourage independent thought in their students. And it did cause a lot of discussion in India about the ways that they were running higher education. And actually, this movie was uncommonly popular in other parts of East Asia to an extent that had never before been seen for Indian films. And a lot of people believe that 
those themes were the reason that the movie caught on in China and South Korea, for example, because students at schools there felt similarly. There are actually a bunch of schools in China that assigned the movie to their students as a way of rethinking about these issues. I can see this movie resonating a lot in places like that with the school culture and the focus on rote memorization versus fostering actual interest in learning. You see that discussion a lot in American education, but it is definitely taken to an extreme in other parts of the world where there's no real attempt to make you want to learn. And I think that makes sense for this character, Rancho, who early on we're told that the reason he feels free to really challenge the educational system is because his family is so wealthy. We later find out that that's not true, and the reason is he's only at school because he loves learning so much. He's not going to be able to use his degree. So what he wants is just the opportunity to learn as much as possible. Right. And starting as a small kid, he's just obsessed with reading and learning, even though he is, you know, from a impoverished background and doesn't really see a future for himself besides through education. And of course, in the middle of all of this, you have a lot of songs and dancing and a love story And also a suicide and a suicide attempt and so many male tears. Yeah. The men in this movie are constantly crying. It's like, good for them. But also it's because they're so stressed. Yeah, it does a really good job of just making you feel very emotional. And I cried a couple times. It gets really dark. It gets quite dark. I mean, the moment the musical number ends as they fly the drone up and they see that the kid has committed suicide is pretty jarring and it's supposed to be right that's the first time the movie gets truly serious and it does it it's an effective top way that it's very effective yeah so it's interesting this movie is directed by rajkumar hirani and it was co-written by him with abhijat joshi based on a novel from 2004 called five point someone what not to do at iit which is getting into some similar ideas about students at an elite school and the struggles that they face, and then it's set later on, they go looking for a friend of theirs who disappeared after graduation. And the book sold really well, but was critically panned. One critic actually called it Bollywood on paper for being too over the top, which I guess wound up working out because it got adapted into a hit Bollywood film that was the most successful Hindi language film ever at the time it came out. But there's like a weird controversy with it too, where the author kind of got in a fight with the producers because he said that he expected to be credited in the opening credits and not the closing credits, so he started bashing the movie over that, and then he claimed to be annoyed about how much of the movie was based on the book. He was like, yeah, they told me it would be 3 to 5%, and it's like 70%, and then the producers were getting annoyed back at him, saying the contract had always said his name would be in the closing credits, and that they bought the rights to the book, so it didn't matter how much they used. It was like a whole thing. The credits thing is just so indicative of like the egos that go into films can you imagine caring enough about where your name shows up that you like take it to the court of public opinion i mean i think that kind of stuff gets enhanced when you're talking about the highest grossing indian film ever that is true is it still the the highest grossing not anymore india has experienced the thing like the united states where like every movie that comes out that's a big movie breaks into the top 10 right But it's also true that in the United States, like, every movie that comes out and is a giant hit, there's somebody who's like, this is based on my idea. And there are some cases where that turns out to be true, and there are other cases where it's not so much. Like, when Iron Man 3 came out, an artist sued saying that 
Iron Man's pose on the poster was stolen from artwork that this guy had done when it was a pose that had been used in the comics for 60 years. Some of the lawsuits that show up, I find so funny because it's just like they read the contract once and the judge is like overruled because some people just like with this, wouldn't it be easy to just go back and read the contract and figure out who is right? Yes, it should be. Like, how is this? How does that become a scandal? You can just go and be like, hmm, read through this real fast. Oh, right here. It says you are right or you are right. And that's where when you go back and read the press from the time, the producers are all really annoyed about all of it. And it does kind of feel like the author was frustrated by how big a hit the movie was and that maybe not translating to recognition of and attention towards his book. Which is petty, but you understand where it comes from. Yeah. Because this was the biggest movie. Like I said, it was released on Christmas Day 2009, quickly became the biggest opening day in Indian film history, and then the highest grossing Indian film ever at the time with as I said earlier, uncommon levels of success in other parts of the world. It was actually the first Indian film to be screened in Hong Kong. And then it won tons of awards in a bunch of different categories at a bunch of different award ceremonies. At India's top film ceremonies, which are the National Film Awards, it won the awards for audiography, lyrics, and one of their top awards, the Best Popular Film Providing Wholesome Entertainment. Is that, that honestly, that feels like probably the most competitive. Yeah, we've actually talked about that award before because Cooch Cooch Hota High won it in 1998. Oh, I forgot how old Cooch Cooch Hota High is. Yeah. And this movie's been a big enough hit that it was remade in Tamil in 2012 in a movie called Narbonne. And in 2017 in Mexico, they made Tres Idiotas. And there were deals to make it in both China and the United States, but so far, neither of those has materialized. Hmm. I wonder if it will ever get remade here. I mean, I think it works. Yeah, I can see it doing well being remade in China, but here they would have to change it a lot because Americans don't have the stamina to watch a three-hour melodrama with this much crammed into it. They watched Titanic. That is true, but even Titanic had a lot less going on than this movie. That's the true. amount of just plots that happen in this movie that I had forgotten about, such as Raju's family's situation. Even now I'm blanking on some of the things that happen in this movie. I mean, there are elements of it that are culturally specific, like the fact that part of Raju's family's struggle is that his sister cannot get married because his family can't afford a dowry. But a lot of the narrative does feel like something that could translate to the United States. So I feel like it's doable. It's just a matter of finding the right people to adapt it. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff that's happening linguistically and culturally that you do kind of miss out on. I was reading about the movie. Some of it for the worst that we're missing out on it. Like there's, I think, some interesting stuff done with linguistics and with different regional identities that the characters have. There's some stuff that I feel like we're better off without. Like there's this sequence where they pull a prank on... Uh, the silencer, Omi Vaidya's character, by changing out the speech that he's giving. And because he doesn't speak formal Hindi, he doesn't know what it says. And in the English language subtitles, he talks over and over again about how the head of their university is screwing all over the place and is modeling his students how to screw. And from what I read, that word more accurately translates as rape. Oh, God. Yes. Which very much changes the tone of that scene. Yeah. I am... Glad they, uh, I'm glad they changed that. It's nice for us, but it does really color how everyone reacts to that. Yeah, that is dark. But there's also, 
things like Chatur, the silencer, being from Uganda and not speaking formal Hindi, that we don't feel as much his isolation from everyone around him. Right. I think it's meaningful that he feels a need to prove himself. Right. And he's definitely an outsider because he grew up in a completely different country and then moved to a region where they speak a different language and then is now forced to, instead of communicate in English, which it seems that almost everyone can speak fluently, they're forcing him to speak in Hindi, which he's not comfortable with. And he has to do a lot of, like, looking in a dictionary and stuff. So I feel like he's a much more sympathetic character if you're able to kind of conceptualize all of that. But it's harder to pick up on when you don't speak the language or even understand accents, I feel. But even that is evidence, like, the movie does a good job of even these ridiculous, over-the-top, characters do have some well-roundedness to them yeah we're able to pick up on a lot of this right like he is the silencer because he has smelly silent farts but you also do get a which sense he of always blames of... on other people which shows right. how truly terrible he is right he's terrible but you also do get the sense of kind of some sympathy for him for all of this struggle that he does face yeah Now, this is a pretty long movie. Should we start getting into the weeds of talking about what's going on? Yeah, I think this movie... So, I noted down that we don't even see the face of the romantic lead until 45 minutes in. Her face is shown at the 45-minute mark. Because this movie isn't primarily a romance. It's mostly, like, a buddy comedy about these three friends. Right. And the title even gives that away. This is a movie about the three idiots. Tres idiotas. The three guys who get placed in a room together and bond and their friendship over time and how they all can teach each other. But mostly, Rancho teaches them. Yes. And Rancho is played by Amir Khan, who is also a producer in the Indian film industry. He actually produced a movie called Lagan that came out in the United States in 2002 and was nominated for Best Foreign Feature, which became a slight scandal in India because Amir Khan has a long history of refusing to go to awards ceremonies because he thinks they're stupid. But he went to the Oscars in hopes of raising the profile of his movie in the US. But in recent years, some Indian awards groups have become increasingly unwilling to nominate him for stuff because they're annoyed he won't show up. I can see that. I would be kind of annoyed if he went to the American award show but did not come to, you know, the one at home. Yeah. Uh, We've also got in our leads Farhan, played by Madhavan, and Sharman Joshi, playing Raju Rastogi. And the fourth guy going around with them as Shatter the Silencer is Omi Vaidya, who is not from India. He's from the United States. But achieved prominence as a result of his role in this movie. There's actually a documentary about him called Big in Bollywood about his growing prominence, having grown up in the United States and tried to break in in Hollywood, and then suddenly playing a major role in the biggest Indian film at the time. He's also in an episode of The Office. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He plays their IT worker, the one that Michael Scott thinks is a terrorist because he wears a turban. Oh, God. I forgot about that episode. He's, I think, is also in... The episode where Michael demands that they all reveal their religious identity. Oh, yeah. And he talks about how he's Sikh, but he also loves NPR and restoring old motorcycles. (laughs) What episode? Like, what season is that? The religion one, I think, is season three. I think it's while Jim is in Stanford. Okay. Oh, my God. It might be the... You know what? It might be the one where the bird dies and they hold the bird funeral. Yeah, that sounds about right. That or it's the one where Michael thinks they're cursed. 
Let's Which find I think out. is the fun run episode. Omi Fadia. Who's also in an episode of Arrested Development. I was, okay, yes. It's fun run. Which is the one where Michael thinks they're cursed. And then he's, so he's also trying to figure out everyone's religion. Yeah, email surveillance is the one where Michael thinks he's a terrorist. Fun run is the yeah. one where Michael demands to know every religion to find out if anyone has angered God. Oh, he has traveled around a lot for yeah. stuff because he's also in an episode of a. Oh, never mind. He's in the American remake of an Australian TV show. Oh, okay. Which makes more sense. I was like, why would you go to Australia to film one episode of Kath and Kim? That would be. A difficult thing to do. That is a long flight. And then this movie also has Karina Kapoor as Pia, the romantic lead, who is, she's a big deal, but she is a doctor. And one thing that I found really interesting is her father is the antagonist, the head of the school. And when asking about the gender of Pia's sister's baby, he asks, will it be an engineer or a doctor? Meaning, will it be a boy or a girl? Yeah, because boys are engineers and girls are doctors. Right, which I found really interesting because it feels like a progressive thing from an American perspective where, you know... Doctors are men, nurses are women type stereotypes. Whereas I was curious if in India it was normal for women to be considered doctors, but I have not been able to figure out that question. Yeah, I don't know. All right. So the movie starts obviously with a flashback. Yes, because (laughs) Farhan fakes having a heart attack on a plane after having gotten a phone call, which is, I believe, a crime. At least yes. in the United States, probably. Which is why I think he seemed to be, like, running away. Yeah. Because he's intentionally grounded a plane. Yes. So he has faked a heart attack to ground a plane, and then goes and picks up his friend, Raju, who forgot pants, because they've gotten word of their friend, Rancho, for the first time in ten years. Yeah, so that's our framing device. They're going to be going to look for Rancho. It turns out that Shatter the Silencer is the one who called them because he wants to prove that he is more successful than Rancho as he promised in college he would be. But that's then when we jump back in time, we get the sperm animation and get to college because they are all students at this engineering school. Right. And this school seems like a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, it is no good. All the freshmen get hazed, forced to hail the seniors in their underwear it's no good, very bad, don't do it. Rancho arrives late and establishes that he is not putting up with this by refusing to drop his pants. And when a senior starts peeing on his door, Rancho rigs up a thing to stick under the door to electrocute the guy by running a current up his urine to his dick. Now, is that a thing that could happen? I hope you looked into it. I did not. <laughs> Dang it. I was hoping you had. No. I mean, the question is whether urine conducts electricity, and I don't know the answer. Because... You could run a current, a long wire to a spoon. There's no real reason for him to wrap the wire around the ruler like he does, because a wooden ruler will not create an electromagnet. Yeah. But, yeah, so you could get current to the spoon. I guess it would matter what the spoon is made of and whether urine can conduct electricity. So if you know the answer to that, you should tweet at us, hashtag urine for a shock, but spell it like urine, like piss. Again, that's hashtag urine for a shock to let us know if urine can conduct electricity. Um, there is a Mythbusters episode about that question. Oh, well, watch it and get back to me. Yeah, it seems that it is unlikely because by the time it gets that close to the ground, it is separated into droplets. Okay, interesting. But it is possible 
if it's still a stream. Which it kind of looks like it is. Yeah. Okay, so that one is good. The dude could have been jolted on his junk. And so now we've got our three dudes hanging out at college, getting into hijinks. Rancho's trying to upend the educational system because he thinks they should just be, like, learning and being fulfilled and thinking for themselves and not just memorizing what's in the textbooks. And so he's always getting in trouble with the head of their university, whose real name is Dr. Viru Sahastra Buddha, but they call him Virus. And Virus doesn't like that Rancho's trying to upend the educational system. Right. He is very set in his ways, and no one can convince him otherwise. Life is just a competition, and you have to do everything in your power to get ahead of the others. I will say, I was very pleased to watch this, because for like a year, I have been trying to remember where I saw the joke about the person who was so busy they insisted on being shaved while they slept, and it's this movie. Virus values his time so much that he has his valet shave his face while he takes a nap every day. He also wears clip-on ties and shirts that Velcro together to save time. I really thought that they were going to, as a joke, un-Velcro his shirt in public. because That would be good. It's a Velcro shirt, but that did not happen. One of my favorite things that I noticed in one of the school scenes is, you know the stereotype in, like, kids' media of somebody holding up their textbook with a book inside it? Yes. And so, like, they're reading, like, whatever they want. There is a scene in this movie where somebody is holding a book with a sports magazine outside it to make it look like they're reading a sports magazine, but they're actually reading a textbook. I did not notice that. It's in the background of this scene where Rancho is explaining what a machine is. Fascinating. Anyway, before we get into the romance, while we're still talking about the virus-Rancho relationship, watching this movie today, I realized what it is. The way that Rancho keeps describing a machine or using simple words or talking about pencils in space, this movie is a three-hour adaptation of those viral conservative emails where a plain-talking freshman goes to college and flabbergasts the highfalutin professor through like, his simple ways. You mean like the God is Dead movies? Right, movies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, all those things about like the professor's like, here is all the complicated ways that America is terrible. And all the students agreed, except for one who stood up and said, I fought for this country, and I know that you are wrong. And the professor was dumbfounded. Like, that's what this movie is. It's very good, but that's basically this movie. Rancho just, in very simple language, dumbfounds all of these allegedly very intelligent people. I think it's it's less that he is the best at explaining the rigors of the argument. I think it comes more from the fact that no one has dared to question their authority ever. So what I like about this movie is it's less about the strength of his argument and more about the idea just that you should talk back to professors when they're wrong and fight for making a more just world for the students around you instead of being like Chatur who slides skinny magazines underneath everyone's door on the night before an exam. It's incredible that the movie implies that that works. Yeah, I love that. Like, you can't It's not just that he will do anything to try to get an edge on the exam. It's that as soon as a magazine with naked women is slid under someone's door. They stop everything and just look at that magazine for the rest of the night. Yeah, they are unable to focus on anything else. So anyway, our dudes are getting involved in hijinks. They're doing college, living that life, which I think takes us to our actual romance. Right. Every week, we break down the romance of a movie into five key points. And so the first point of this romance, they've all 
gotten into trouble for the first time, and Raju and Farhan's parents have gotten letters saying they're hanging out with the wrong crowd, and by that they mean Rancho. And if they keep hanging out with Rancho, they're going to fail out of school. And then your dreams of your engineer children, who can, like, save your family financially, will be shot out the window. Right. So they go to everyone's family's house for dinner, but it doesn't work out because... Out of anger, Farhan's family refuses to feed them dinner, which seems like a very large insult. And then Raju's family is too poor to provide them with a good enough meal. So they gate crash a wedding. Which is always fun in a movie. Where did they get their headdresses for the wedding? Unclear. <laughs> But they crash this wedding, they pretend to know people, and Rancho fairly quickly goes up to the person that he suspects is the bride-to-be and is telling her that she needs to end her relationship. Yes, her fiancé is a jackass who's full of himself and questions her decision to wear an ugly old watch without inquiring into the sentimental nature of said watch. Right, it was her dead mom's. And instead he just gets angry about it. He talks about how she's embarrassing him by wearing inexpensive things in public. So Rancho goes over and gives her a word of advice to avoid that asshole. Yeah, but he's a dick about it because he's just telling her like, you need to do this. And he spills some mint sauce on the guy's shoes to get him to yell about how, he's like, I bet I can find out exactly how expensive those shoes are without asking. And so he spills mint sauce on the guy's shoes and the guy starts yelling about like, ah, somebody spilled mint sauce on these Expensive shoes. Yeah. So Pia then says, if you really believe this, you should tell my father about it. And so she calls over her father. Turns out it is the wedding of Virus's elder daughter, Mona. No! Yeah, so now it's awkward because Virus recognizes them all and throws them out of the wedding. Obviously, because they are there just to steal food. And they steal a lot of it. I love their comically tall piles of food on their plates. Right, it's like the funny version of Daryl Hannah filling her purse with stuff at Shelby's wedding in Steel Magnolias. <laughs> exactly. Where, like, we pitied her and these guys are just being ridiculous. Right. So they get kicked out of the wedding and then go back to school. More shenanigans ensue. And the next time that Ron sh- runs into Pia, because obviously sparks flew and you knew from the very first moment they lock eyes that they will end up together... They meet oh, again. Oh, right. What was going on was uh, when Virus asked them what they were doing, they said they were doing research for an invention. Oh, right. there are power outages all the time, and you don't want the power to go out during your wedding. So they claimed to be building an inverter that would take the energy from car batteries from people who parked at the wedding and turn it into electricity so that big events would be immune from power outages. And they said that they would name it after him. And so the next time they see Pia, they are at the mall shopping for materials for their virus inverter. So she is getting a new watch from her fiancé because her old watch embarrassed him. And once again, Rancho does a similar thing where he gets the guy to start going on and on about the price of stuff like the watch to show how shallow this man is. Right. So he just basically steals Pia's watch and then tells him that Pia has lost her watch and he goes ballistic. 
Right. So then Pia breaks up with him. And she's like, okay, I've broken up with him. And this is where Rancho's presented in the movie as this guy who is a font of wisdom. And he has some good ideas. But he has really sometimes a dick in how he expresses them. Because he then informs Pia that she never really loved her fiancé. And she's like, excuse you. And he goes, no, you don't hear music when you see him. It's so weird that he is just narrating her feelings to her after having known her for a grand total of like five minutes. Right. And this is where he is, like, kind of obnoxious, but the movie clearly thinks he's very deep. Yeah, guru. Right. They call him guru a lot. Is this the same day that he then has her go to the hospital? Yes. So while they're talking, he gets a call that Raju's father, who has been paralyzed and lost his job, is having a heart attack. So this is point number three. No. So this is still point number two. Point number three is the second time they're at the hospital, which is after Raju attempts to kill himself. Oh, that's right. Things are not good for the Rostogi family. No. So they go to Raju's house on Pia's scooter, and the ambulance is taking forever to get there. And I love Raju's mom's comment that in this country, pizza comes in 30 minutes and an ambulance can't get here for 90. So they strap Raju's paralyzed father to (laughs) Rancho's back, And then with Pia, they scooter to the hospital, and not just to the hospital, directly to the ER inside the building. Yeah, it's like Beauregard in The Great Muppet Caper, who, if you get a cab ride to a hotel, he'll drive you into the lobby. So they get him to the hospital, but Raju is angry that they treated his father so poorly by strapping him onto a scooter, but it turns out that If they had waited any minute longer and hadn't put him on the scooter, he wouldn't have made it. So then Raju cries tears of thanks for Pia and Rancho saving his father. And then Pia goes home and she has a musical dream sequence about being in love with Rancho. Yep. Great song. Big fan. By this point, has Rancho given his speech about... No, he hasn't given his speech about dreaming of Pia yet. No, not yet. That comes later. Right. But the next morning, she does come back to the hospital to wake them up and say that she will watch Raju's dad while they rush back to school to take their exam. Right. So uh, this brings us then to point number three, which is just further developing their relationship. Pia has dreamed about Rancho, but they don't really talk ever because their actual interaction in this movie equates to maybe two hours of time together, it seems. Somewhere in here, we make a three-year time jump where we jump from their freshman year where the first half or so of the movie takes place to their senior year as they're wrapping up their studies. Right. And they're talking about what's coming next and Rancho is harassing Farhan to pursue wildlife photography, which is his real love. And Farhan makes a deal where he agrees to pursue photography if Rancho tells Pia that he loves her. Right. And so he tells Raju that he needs to stop relying on religion as his way of getting through life and needs to take it into his own hands. And his deal is, like, if Rancho tells Pia he loves her, he will throw his rings away, his holy rings. Right. And so this brings us to Pia's house, where Rancho breaks into her bedroom Right, he climbs the window, goes inside. Oh, they are all very drunk. They're super drunk. Raju is sitting in the window playing Can't Help Falling in Love on the guitar while 
Rancho starts giving this whole speech to a sleeping woman that he thinks is Pia about how much he loves her. And he has dreams where she's in wedding clothes riding up to him on her scooter. And then they almost kiss, but their noses bump into each other. Because Rancho has never kissed a person before, so he doesn't know how it works, apparently. Right. And then the woman starts laughing and we realize it's not Pia, it's Mona, who is in her bed. They're both in the bed together. Yeah. So then Mona is basically like, Pia, you have to love this man. He's so eloquent and cute and everything. And Pia is basically like, how did it take him four years to say he loves me? Yeah, she is not too happy that it took so long. She's like happy to hear it, but incredulous. Right. So while this part is happening, Raju and Farhan start peeing on Virus's door. But unfortunately, he catches them seeing Raju's face. So they run away, but he does see them. And that's when he decides that He's going to get revenge on them by making the exam insanely difficult. Well, first he threatens to... Does, isn't this the point where he threatens to expel Raju in this his office? This is what office? he threatens to. Later yeah. he does. Okay. This movie's so long. I'm getting my timeline confused. Yeah. He threatens to throw them out. He decides instead that he's just going to make the exam insanely difficult. And that's how he'll stick it to Rancho, who also annoys Virus just by actually getting really, really good grades. Right. So Rancho's always top of the class. It'd be one thing if the troublemaker were also like failing, but instead he is disturbing Virus's world and topping the class. Whereas Farhan and Raju are always the last two on every exam. So Pia decides to go and tell the guys that Virus is making the exam super difficult. So she gets hammered and climbs in their window in an inversion of what happened before. She tries to kiss him. This is she doesn't actually. Raju has recovered. Right, Because yeah. this is new Raju. So after he pees on the door, Virus kicks Raju out and then goes for his nap. And while he's napping, Raju jumps out the window out of despair because he won't be able to help his family out of poverty. But Pia and... Rancho and Farhan all band together with his mother to help him recover. And eventually, Raju recovers and is a changed man. Yes. He's just living life. He's no longer stressed out. Right. And Pia's there for the whole whole time helping through it because she is a doctor now. Right. So yes, this brings us to point four. Pia has broken into their room, super drunk, with the key to Virus's office to give to Rancho. And she tries to kiss him and Rancho's like, respects her <laughs> He respects her too like, much to make out with her. He yeah. makes her eat instead. Right. And she makes a joke about the name of Gujarati food being like a bomb that Bush would drop on a rock. Yeah. And I really want to know more about that. Like some kind of regional food stereotype. Yeah. Give me some sunshine. Give me some rain. Give me another chance. I want to grow up once again. But anyway... With Pia's help, they break into Virus's office. But while they're there, they call using Virus's phone, Pia's phone. It is also worth noting that when Pia's really drunk and Rancho won't make out with her, she starts asking him if he's gay or if he's impotent and insisting that he kiss her to prove he's not. Because oh, the right. way to prove you're not impotent is to kiss someone. Yes. Well, you can't do anything more. Right, not but in then this you movie. still might be impotent. Yeah, he still might be. She still would not have proved anything. So anyway... They get caught having stolen the documents from Virus's office because he comes to see them and they have it on the floor. Raju had decided not to use it, but they just threw it on the ground. So when Virus comes to see it, he finds the test and knows that they broke into his office. So he kicks them out of school. But just then, Mona goes into labor and right. they can't get to the hospital because the streets are flooded. And so Rancho has to deliver Virus's grandchild. 
by building an impromptu like vacuum extractor or something a vacuum that you use to suck a baby out of a woman who is gotten too exhausted giving birth to push any harder but also there's a power outage because of the flood so they have to use the virus inverter to power the vacuum and to power a computer so that pia can skype them and tell them how to do the process right including at one point pulling up a youtube clip of a baby being delivered yes was that the one you watched in school no it was not it was much more graphic well <laughs> at this point pia has also already accused her father of murdering her brother through pressure. Right. Which Rancho also accused Virus of killing the student who committed suicide earlier in the movie. Right. But so that's kind of that. Rancho delivers the baby. He and Pia are having a nice time. And they all graduate. They but all then graduate. Rancho disappears. Right. And graduation is the last time anyone sees Rancho. So this brings us to the future. They've discovered that Rancho was never actually Rancho. He was hired by a rich person to get a degree for the rich person's son without the rich person's son having to do any work. Instead, the rich person's son just got to hang out in London for four years. Yeah. So then he helps them discover Rancho's real identity as a school teacher in Ladakh. But he's also a brilliant inventor. Right. But we don't know that part yet. That's right. the we big find reveal that out at the end. He is not just a school teacher, he is also rich and a school teacher because being a school teacher alone is not fulfilling enough. But they also, along the way, go to find Pia, who is at her wedding. It's like, hey, Pia, we found Rancho. But as you said, Pia is at her wedding marrying the fiancé from earlier. Yeah, she's marrying Suhas, and they prove that he is the same person by putting mint sauce and ironing it into his coat for the wedding. Which is horrible. And then Raju impersonates him during the wedding to get a chance to talk to Pia. Who then agrees to run off, so they all run off to go find Rancho. So they're all in the car, and they drive out to the school out in the dock, and they find all these kids with inventions, like sheep shears powered by a bicycle, and these things, and they're like, this has to be Rancho's school. And the dudes find him first, and they're having a nice little reunion, and then Pia, still in her wedding clothes, rides up on her scooter and kisses him. And for a Bollywood movie, seeing a kiss alone is surprising. This is a lot of kissing. Yeah, it is a it is a good kiss. And then the movie ends happily ever after. Yeah. All right. Good movie. So after watching all of Three Idiots, do you find the romance between them believable? With the caveat that I don't know that much about Indian culture... I will say no, because I think that Rancho is kind of annoying. Yeah, Rancho is a huge dick to Pia for the most part. Yeah, throughout he's like their romance. just mansplaining her life to her constantly of like, oh yeah, you were never really in love with this dude. Let me tell you all about your feelings. It's not great. Yeah. The movie's fun, but I do not believe in the relationship. Also, again, she like flees this wedding. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate this movie? I have no idea. What are you thinking? Maybe like a 5. Okay, I was thinking like a 3. There's still an element of believability of just like, I don't know, the actors do a good job, I guess, just showing the passion between them. Yes, you feel the attraction. So in that sense, I see that. But yeah, maybe around a 4. Okay, I can give you a 4. 
Do you think that Pia or Rancho is dateable? I really don't think Rancho is. I think he's annoying. Yeah, me neither. Pia's great, though. Yeah, Pia's a very nice, kind doctor. Like, very helpful to people around her. Yeah. Who cares about everyone. She's great. She even, like, as much as she's willing to, like, kind of prank her dad sometimes, clearly cares about him and looks out for his interests. Yeah. Like, there's nobody that she's mean to, and, like, everyone else is a dick at some point. That is true. Do you think that Pia and Rancho would stay together? I mean, probably, right? Yeah, I guess. She, like, gave up her life to be with him. Rancho's got nothing else going on. Yeah, why not? If you did have to pick a person to date, who would you choose? I don't know. Probably Pia, I guess? Yeah. I like Mona. I actually like Farhan a lot. I think Raju is also very nice because, like, he definitely has the biggest struggle. Because he has a lot of pressure to lift his whole family out of poverty. I don't think that Farhan is involved in the worst of the pranks. Um, For example, he does not write the speech with a bunch of rape jokes. But I do think he seems like a nice dude. He just wants to be a wildlife photographer. I kind of like him. Maybe I'll go with with Farhan. Yeah. I still think Mona is definitely... She's only shown being fun. That's true. All right. So a lot of the movies we cover on this show are adapted to the stage in the musical form. This is already a musical, but do you think it should be put on stage? I think no, because I think a lot of what's exciting about this movie is in the filmmaking. I think that the ways that it is constructed, especially from an editing standpoint, are pretty darn exciting, and that's what is so engaging, especially in the musical sequences. Yeah, I don't think it would be as fun on stage, for sure. So I think that about does it for three idiots yeah i think we have covered most of this movie yeah definitely left some stuff out but it's actually on netflix right now so if you are interested in checking out a really fun comedy it's like two hours and 40 minutes so it's long but not insanely so right i would recommend you check it out uh next week we'll be going back to the hitchcock well covering his movie dial m for murder which is streaming on canopy now I love Canopy. That's the one that you can access for free with your library card. Oh, it's so good. But until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular help other people discover the show. All right, Will. Last question. What is the best piece of dating advice you got from the movie Three Idiots? Uh, I think the most important takeaway that works again and again in this movie is that spilling stuff can be an effective strategy for establishing a relationship or perhaps ending one. Yeah, I guess the main takeaway is point out the flaws of a person you like's current significant other until they abandon that person and have to date you. These are bad pieces of advice, but they're really the only kind that the movie offers. (laughs) All right. There you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Left side, right side, front and back. Stay out of those no zones. Keep it view. Don't hang out in the no zones. Move on through. Where are those no zones? Tell me where. Left side, right side, front and rear. No zones.